Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Dallas Debt Discussion for yet another Monday night. It is April 10th of 2017. You know, it isn't going to be very long, and I'm going to be saying, well, it's uh, May 16th of uh, the year 2020. Uh, I, I tell you, the time goes so fast, it uh, it just escapes me. But then the old saying, you know, Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I am having fun, as I was saying just a, a little bit earlier before I started the recording for those people that are coming on now and didn't catch that. Um, I have been having fun. And uh, I'll give you a, a little explanation of what I'm talking about there. But the first thing I need to do and get it out of the way is do the disclaimer and let everybody know <clears throat> that here's this that this is Dallas Debt Discussion. This is not the Dallas Debt Legal Line. You're not going to get legal advice here because I'm not an attorney. Terry isn't an attorney. John isn't an attorney. And to my knowledge, uh, none of the other people that are on these calls, unless they announce themselves, are attorneys. Although we uh, we have had attorneys that have listened to the calls, and, of course, then they brought them up and quoted them in, in... arguments against me trying to make me look like a bad guy and everything. And, of course, they failed. They absolutely failed miserably because what they were trying to do was underhanded and ridiculous, and uh, I knew how to deal with it. But the bottom line is we don't give legal advice. We discuss matters. That's why this is Dallas Debt Discussion. The whole idea of this call has always been, and by the way, it is your call. It's not mine. I'm just the one that helps make it happen. Um The whole idea of this call since day one has been for educational purposes, to help people learn about how they can deal with the Dallas or with the the debt collection industry, not only in Dallas. Originally, my intent was to have the call figuring I might be able to find a few people around here that I could help because I had learned some things. And uh, I thought, wow, man, it would be really nice, you know, if we could get a group of, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12 people together uh, sometime to uh, do this. Well, it kind of has gone a little bit further than that. In fact, uh, I believe I still hold the talk shoe record for number of people on a call at one time. And that's... I believe that number was 1,056 people. So, um, you know, we've done a lot in almost eight years. It'll be eight years in June. We've helped a lot of people make a lot of money by standing up for their rights. But the bottom line is uh, it's all about education. It's not about giving legal advice because that's something lawyers can give. We, first of all, don't know what it is. Second of all, we can't provide it. So if that's what you are looking for when you have joined this call, you're at the wrong place. Uh, You can go ahead and hang up and uh, go to the yellow pages or the Internet or wherever you want to go to find an attorney to see if you can get some legal advice. You won't find it here. Uh, Now, the way TalkShoe works, I haven't covered this in a few weeks, so for any new people, and we always have new people coming to the calls, which is great. That's the whole idea is to get new people involved so that they can be learning and educating themselves as well. But uh, the way TalkShoe works is very simple. 
when you come on this call, you're not muted. So if you come on here and are shuffling papers around on your desk or you're making noise or, you know, you go in the bathroom or you do this or you do that, we're hearing you. And we really don't want to hear all that extraneous noise because we like to have a quiet call. So I ask everybody to hit star six when you come on this call so that you are muted and we don't have to listen to all this crackly noise. You know, and I'm getting some of this uh, right now. We had some people mute themselves. Uh, and if you don't mute yourself and you're making noise, I will mute you. So somebody in Florida just muted, and then they unmuted, and now they muted again. Somebody's having fun playing with the buttons there. But anyway, um, the bottom line is you're not muted. Please do so. There's a lot of people that listen to the recordings of these calls. There may not be as many people on the call live, although we get substantial numbers of people at times. It, it wavers. It, it's like anything else. It, it goes up and down. But we have a lot of people that listen to these archives, and we have people, I have people asking me questions about uh, calls that we did six, seven years ago. It's amazing. And, uh, of course, can I remember every uh, bit of discussion from six or seven years ago? No, no, no. But I can uh, usually try and help somebody in some way, if possible. I try to do so. But... Uh, the other thing that you have to know about TalkShoe is when we go to Q&A, to put yourself in the queue to raise your hand, you hit star 8. Star 6 is to mute yourself. And by the way, that's a toggling feature. When you hit star 6, if you're listening to your phone, it'll say, you are muted. And you hit star 6 again, it'll say, you are unmuted. <clears throat> it's just a toggling feature. So just so you understand how that works. When you hit star 8 to put yourself in the queue to ask a question or make a comment on the call. Please have yourself muted, not with your mute button, but using star six first. Hit star six, then hit star eight. That will put you in the queue muted, because if you don't do that, then what I have to do when I go to uh, call on you, because you have your hand up, I have to mute you, then I have to unmute you, and sometimes uh, the board gets a little bit slow because of a uh, number of people have been on the calls and stuff, so please save me the, the trouble on that. If you would, star six first, then star eight. And as usual, we always start out with good news. Uh, the reason we do good news, we've done this for a few years, is very simple. We hear enough of the other nonsense if anybody does pay attention to the mainstream media, which I don't. I don't watch TV. I don't want to be programmed. So, uh, and besides that, I have other things that uh, I'm far more interested in than watching commercials and all that kind of nonsense in the so-called reality shows. But uh, uh, it, it's the whole purpose of it is for us to be able to hear about the successes that people are having, the good things that people are having happen regarding, in, in general, what we uh, discuss here at the debt collection industry. And good news can come in many, many, many forms. It can be where uh, maybe somebody uh, has somebody that was uh, – you know, violating their rights, maybe calling them and uh, being a pain in the neck on their cell phone or whatever, and uh, they were able to 
discuss uh, the violations and come to an agreement, no litigation and stuff. Maybe they uh, they got a settlement on things. That's great. Uh, maybe it's where somebody sued somebody and then they settled afterwards. Or you know maybe you uh, had a good outcome in hearing with the court, or uh, you know you were in your educational process. And you were a bit intimidated, in fact, in some cases, absolutely scared, you know what, because you had to go and appear before the court for some kind of hearing or something. So um, if you have a good outcome on things like that, that's good news. You know, you made it through it. You know, like we've said so many times when people have come on and talked about, oh, you know, I got this hearing, you know, I got this conference, I got to go to, I don't have, what, what, what are we, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? And this and that. And generally we can give you an idea of what you're likely to encounter there, but every court is different. Always remember that, whether it be a state court or even the federal courts. You know, one judge is different the way they operate than another. There can be a lot of similarities, and there are a lot of similarities, but that doesn't mean procedures and and everything else, and, you know, the mood and so on and so forth uh, in each courtroom is the same because it absolutely is not. There's people involved, and people have prejudices and and ideas of their own, and uh, some of these judges, uh, especially some of the older ones, are quite set in their ways, and unfortunately some of those ways are not good, and little by little some of those Older judges that have got the bad ideas and the bad habits are slowly but surely going out of the system and disappearing. But it is a very slow process. Make no mistake about it. It definitely is a slow process. But uh, that's why we do the good news. Uh, If anybody has any good news, I'll say right now all you have to do is speak up. And uh, there's no real limits to that, just uh, basically uh, something good that's happened for you where you might have good news. You do not have to hit star eight. So if somebody's got something, go ahead and speak up. Let's hear it. Good evening, Dave. Good evening. This is uh, Elia from Massachusetts. I recognize that voice. How is Elia tonight? Um, I'm trying my best. Even though well, that's all you I, can do, isn't it? Yeah, but now I've realized that I'm not as smart as I used to think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're coming to grips with the reality, huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I did. I did a mistake. Uh, I don't know how big it is, but uh, I wanted to know if it is repairable. A, uh, well, is this good news or is this just a question? It's a question. Well, I really want to see if anybody's got any good news, and I I have a little bit that I was going to discuss first. But we uh, we can we can take your you know your question when uh, uh, when we get done with the good news. So if you can hold on a minute there, let's see if anybody's got any good news, and I'll I'll put my something. Sorry. Oh no problem. That's the worst thing that happens to you, man. You're in great shape. I wouldn't even have to get the wet noodles. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, you're very welcome. Okay, anybody have any good news? All right, nobody has any good news they want to bring in. Well, I'll talk just a little bit about the good news that I have and 
And that just happens to be that I have had somebody calling my cell phone for about the last, well, about the last month. Well, actually over that. I got one call in January and then I got several in February, but they really started calling in March. And they have continued in April. And it's a pain in the neck. It's become a real pain in the neck. And it is my cell phone. And I haven't given anybody consent to call this cell phone other than uh, about six people that I know personally. And those people don't call me unless it's an emergency because they know they can catch me on my landline. Yeah, punch the button on my recorder here first, inadvertently. Okay, but what I have done, what happened is I started getting calls from this company. Uh, it's either been that there's nobody on the line, or I get a recording. And it's partly in Spanish and partly in English. And uh, it's it's one of these things that's very irritating, and if any of you have been with us very long and understand anything about the TCPA, you know it is against the law to use an automated dialer or to leave a pre-recorded or or to play or excuse me to use a pre-recorded or artificial voice message without the called party's consent. Well, I'm obviously the called party if I pay for this phone number and it's my phone, so on and so forth. So um, they started calling me, and it's either there's nobody there or I get this recording. And uh, today I got phone call number 29. And to give you an idea, you know, uh, we talk about, oh, well, you know, I tell everybody, you know, you need to answer the phone because this is setting things up, all right? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play this. I've got a little digital recorder that what I do is before I uh, answer the cell phone, I hit the button on this, start the recording, so it catches the ringing of the phone in almost all the cases. And and this was uh, recording number eight. I haven't recorded stuff from all of them. It's just more recent ones because it's become such a pain in the neck. Uh, But I, uh, I record it. You can hear what's being said on the phone, and you can hear my comments, how I'm setting things up. So here is what happened today. Hello? 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 To hear this message in English, please press 1. Quit calling my phone. This is that same 5421 number, you stupid people. Quit calling my phone. Now they hung up on me again. Doggone it. It's the 10th of April, and it's uh, about almost 1130. It's 1129. Damn idiot people. All right. Now, with what I said there, The important part that you guys should understand is I'm showing my irritation with these continuing phone calls. 
It's not, oh, well, it doesn't make any difference to me, like, well, well, you know, whatever. No, it does make a difference to me. And I'm putting it out there as evidence that can be heard by a jury, by a judge, by the attorney for the other side when I'm negotiating a settlement. Now, there's other times uh, I can go back. I'll play one more from an earlier call. I don't remember exactly what this is here. This is just from call number five so that you can see what happened here. Now, you can hear the difference in my tone. That was recording number five as compared to the one to, uh, today where I'm showing a lot more frustration because it's the same old thing over and over and over again. And I'm just about to the point where I'm about ready to go after him. I drafted my lawsuit this weekend. I printed the summons. I printed the civil cover sheet. But... I still need to do the notice of intent and send that to uh, the company. But the interesting part is I did my due diligence. I looked to see if they've been sued here before. They have. And I looked to see who the law firm and the attorney is that uh, represented them when they were sued. And lo and behold, it's somebody that's very familiar to me and that I have a good relationship with. So maybe... The lawsuit won't need to be filed, but yet I've done my homework. I've done all my work. Uh, probably I'm wait one or two more days and see if I get any calls, and then I'm going to probably lower the boom on them. So this gives you guys a little bit of a hands-on idea of exactly how I handle something when they're calling. As I've said so many times, just as a quick learning lesson here for people that are dealing with the TCPA, you cannot get a bunch of phone calls, never answer anything, never make any effort to uh, deal with the situation and expect to be able to file a lawsuit and get anywhere with it because you absolutely will not. You, If you don't answer any calls and can't attest to the fact that you know, there was nobody there, there was a delay, you heard a clicking, uh, heard a click sound, or was, there was a delay for, you know, two, three, four, five seconds before a live person came on. You have no plausible way of stating that somebody is using an auto dialer. Because if you don't answer it, you have no clue. I could call you 20 times as a live person. I could sit here and push the buttons on my phone and call you. But you know what? If you were to file a lawsuit against me and say I was using an auto dialer, the first thing I'd say is, what kind of evidence do you have to even make a plausible claim? And the plausibility comes in under the Twombly and Iqbal Supreme Court standards, the pleading standards that were changed several years ago. 
So uh, again, if you are in a position where you're getting these calls, you need to get yourself geared to answer these and let them know. You heard me say there, quit calling this phone. I've told them that numerous times. I have some of it recorded. I have handwritten notes of about every one of these calls, the details, the date, the time, the amount of time, whether I answered it or not, the amount of time elapsed uh, on my the shows on the display on my phone, all this. Plus, I'm taking pictures of the display of my phone. It, I don't use a smartphone. I've got a really dumb cell phone, but that's what I want. So I have to take another camera and take a picture of the screen. And it's, it's a little awkward, but it works just fine. The main thing is I've got all the evidence I need. I've got what shows on the screen on my phone. I've got my own handwritten notes, and then I've got the audio of the phone ringing, them playing the recording, and me telling them to quit calling. And it's obvious that there is no live person there to talk to me. So that sews things up for me evidence-wise. They have no leg to stand on where they can say, well, you know, we didn't auto-dial these calls. So this is what's going to make it easier to settle this. And like I said, after finding out who the law firm and the attorney is, um, I'm that much more encouraged that I'll be able to get a, a settlement because the, the attorney is a, a very good attorney, but it's also somebody that uh, understands uh, my knowledge and that uh, I'm not going to back down on things. So, Bottom line is uh, I hope this little demonstration here was helpful to some people because TCPA is still a big issue out here, as is FCRA, as is FDCPA, obviously. So uh, this is uh, uh, a little bit of a learning tool, and uh, you, you have to use, you know, you have to think about this so that when the phone rings and you have to respond to it, that you kind of have your thoughts in mind about how you're going to deal with it, uh, potentially with what you might get. And if you're getting a situation like I'm getting where it's this kind of stuff all the time, then you can lay a good groundwork for it, you know, show increasing uh, irritability with the phone, uh, ringing time after time after time, and uh, all that stuff uh, plays out as good evidence before the court. So with all that said, I'm going to ask one more time if anybody has any good news that they want to bring up. Otherwise, we're going to go to Q&A. Okay, I don't hear anybody speaking up, so I think uh, hey, we. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do have some good news to share. All right. How you doing? I'm doing good. I, my good, hey, good, my good. cell phone's ringing and stuff. I, I, that's, that's, you know, it's irritating when it happens. I'll tell you because it, because it happens when I'm trading. But you know, I know every time that phone rings, I'm getting a chunk of money. So you know, even if right. I don't get to make the trade, I'm making some money on the phone call eventually. Absolutely, yeah, that's the great yep. part about it. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so I was on the call uh, last Monday night. I had a hearing coming coming up. It was a small claims court. It was uh, mm -hmm. Thursday Thursday morning on uh, right on a motion. Two things: motion to compel and also summary disposition from the other side. Right. So we went in and uh, presented, you know, both motion for summary disposition and the uh, uh, the motion for to compel. And uh, on the motion for summary disposition, uh, I defeated the attorney that was there representing the law firm and the lawyer. She's actually also now as a part of the law firm herself. Actually, she's been a part of it, 
but they made her a partner around about the time when I sued them. So yeah. the judge took her, he took a few moments after listening to all the evidence and he came back. He really let them down lightly because it was really, it was absolutely comical. They said they, they come up with a bunch of non nonsensical oh, crap. Oh, oh man, it was. I had a hard time composing myself. I'm like, this is ridiculous. How can a lawyer come in court, put in a sworn affidavit, said, "Oh, we're not debt collectors and all this other stuff," then turn right around, giving, <laughs> presenting your case, say that yeah, well, he knew he was that we were debt collector when he he addressed the letter <laughs> debt collector. <laughs> Oh, my gracious. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, then, you know, the, the uh, on the uh, affirmative defense about uh, bona fide error, you know, they submitted to me uh, information that was basically a year after I had filed right. a lawsuit and when the uh, violations that took place. Right. Um, and they still they were still trying to use <laughs> bona fide error defense. So anyway, long story short, the judge kind of let him down easy. He didn't really blast him. He didn't just say uh, no. <laughs> Summary disposition is denied. And uh, so we so we so we're, so we're going to trial. And when we go to trial now, I'm really going to blast them. Even if they want to settle, I'm going to be honest with you. If they want because of how nasty they've been, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want this to go before a jury because I want to make an example out of them and then hopefully maybe someone else can use this information against them. I don't know why they fought so hard um, and didn't try to settle. Cause I tried to settle with them, but now it's a whole different ballgame now. So I'm looking forward to the jury trial that's going to be coming up here uh, within the next 60 days. Now, as far as okay, now you, my, you, you, you can have a jury trial in the small claims here, right? Have you double-checked yeah. that? You, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. wanted to make yeah, sure. I've done, I've, oh, yeah, I've done this many times. So, yes, okay. absolutely. Yeah, okay. so you, you can. And so when I filed a suit, I, I filed it with uh, and paid the jury fee as well. So, yes, you can. Good. Good. Now, as far as on the uh, motion to compel, I knew they didn't have the information, uh, and they basically said, listen, we've supplied what we have to you, and basically they didn't have it, but what I included in there was also for them to be able to uh, dismiss the affirmative, the affirmative, um, the, um, uh, bona fide error defense. Bona fide error defense, uh, affirmative right, defense. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. So the judge, I don't know why he didn't say, well, yeah, listen, if you guys don't want to, which you don't have, they don't have to provide their policies, but you can't then continue with your bona fide error defense. But if for some reason he said, well, no, they made a, a what is the term? He, he, they made a, um, uh, I can't think of the term. Anyway, they made, they made basically for lack of better, for, for um, lack of a better word, they made their case to say, well, okay, they don't have to go through and, and, uh, uh, uh Produce the produce their their, their policy. Well, they can't because they don't have them. So I know that. Right. So uh, so 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 I'm good because they don't. They all they have is what they something they threw together and it didn't answer what I'd asked for in my in my uh, discovery request. So well, yeah, so we're they good. they have to be able to support that affirmative defense exactly. at trial. Yes. And right. they won't be able to. Yeah. Exactly. They won't. They won't be able to do it. Yeah. Right. So that good. was the good news. And then the other thing too. Um, 
a while back, I had talked to you guys about my son. It was a case that followed me. It was the FDCPA and the NTCPA claim. And so actually tomorrow uh, we're scheduled to go to court for mediation. And um, I received an email late this afternoon from the attorney for the other side wanting to settle the case. So we've been talking settlement. We're basically pretty much there. So it will be settled. There will not be a mediation and certainly will not be a trial. So we'll be selling that case um, sometime this week. Well, good. Good. Yep. That's fantastic. Yep. You know, they just yep. they played the game of chicken, and they lost. Exactly. Yep. 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 Very Sorry, good. I shared it with you guys. Yep. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad to, uh, to hear things went well on yours, and yep. uh, it's fantastic for your, your sons uh, to come around. You know, they probably thought, ah, well, you know, we can, right. we can bamboozle and take this kid to the cleaners. You know, this mm-hmm. is right. work. Right. Well, guess what? Right. Yeah. Didn't work um, out that way. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. Okay. That's it. wonderful. All right. All right. Let us know how things go. We'll do. Okay. We, we yeah. want to hear about it when he gets that check. We'll do. Okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, that's, uh, I like that. See, you guys, you never know when this stuff's going to come up. And, you know, we got two hits for one there. He had a good outcome in his uh, hearing uh, on the uh, summary judgment, beat a summary judgment. And uh, uh, now the other side is uh, uh going to be on the hot seat on going forward to trial, and that's going to be in about 60 days. So, eh, you know, they'll they'll be talking settlement down the line. They aren't going to want to go to trial. You know, it's just the game they play. Like I say, with the other ones, with uh, with his son, they, they played the game of chicken, and they lost. They thought that they were going to get the, the best of his son, and uh, obviously that little deal just didn't work out too well. All right, if anybody has any questions, all you have to do is hit star 8. That will put you in the queue. I'll be more than happy to take your questions. Evidently, uh, Terry and John have gotten tied up with things tonight because I don't see either one of them on the board. And I know Terry uh, definitely intended to be here tonight, uh, and that's not to say that she won't be coming in late, but uh, uh, she must have had something happen. So we're going to go to Central Minnesota. You have been unmuted. Go ahead. Hi. Good evening. Good evening. My name's Terry. And just a second, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to mute Elier. He's making a lot of noise. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I've got a question. I just received a Dunning letter and I I've, I've got most of the letter that I'm going to send back to them written. But um, so this is an FDCPA issue. And so since they've violated federal law by even sending me this letter, I also. Well, what makes you think that they violated federal law by sending you the letter? Well, according to the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, there's a lot. (laughs) Um, They're not supposed to communicate with me um, unless they get my permission. No, that's not what it says at all. Okay. That's a mistaken um, impression. I don't know where you, you found that. So it would be in 1692CC. No. No, they can send you a Dunning letter. Otherwise, how would, you know, every debt collector would have to ask somebody's permission to dun them for a debt. That, you know, from a common sense standpoint, you know, that's, that just doesn't make any sense. 
they send you a Dunning letter. Okay. Okay. All right. And they say, we want money from you. We want X number of dollars and whatever. Okay. You write back and you say, I want you to validate the debt. And it's either the content of the letter, the Dunning letter, like if they don't put a mini Miranda in the Dunning letter, that's a violation right up front. Okay. okay. Or if maybe they call you, they get you on the phone about it. They haven't sent you anything in the mail. They call you and they uh, say, well, you know, you owe uh, $800. We want you to pay it. Well, I don't discuss financial matters over the phone. Why don't you send me something in writing? They are required by law to send you something within five days. That does not mean that you have to receive it within five days. It means from the date of first communication, and like I said, if they called you, for instance, before sending anything in the mail, that phone call is a first communication. If they don't send you the validation letter, as it's called, and that's not the, I'm not talking the same letter we send to them, the uh, one where they uh, put the mini Miranda on it and uh, state, you know, who the, uh, the creditor is, so on and so forth. If they don't do that within five days, that is a violation right there. So there, I think you, you had a little bit of a misunderstanding on how the violations occur. Okay. Well, so. can I – all right. So anyway, I'm, I'm writing up the Dunning letter, and one of the other – You mean the, the validation letter? Well, the valid – well, <laughs> I'm not even going to do that because – one of the things that they need to do, too, according to 1692CA, is they have to have express permission from a court of competent jurisdiction. No. No, I, okay, don't understand. You're, I don't understand where you're getting this, how you're reading this, but that's absolutely Okay, incorrect. if you go to 1692CA, uh, okay, so it says, this is under communication in connection with debt collection. So in Section A, communication with the consumer generally. Without the prior consent of the consumer given directly to the debt collector or the express permission of a court of competent jurisdiction, a debt collector may not communicate with a consumer. You're not looking at what's before that. You're just looking at one place and picking some language out with, without even going and looking at the FDCPA in its entirety. I can tell you what you're doing is you're just going into some place and finding some wording, and the way you're wanting to use it is out of context. Okay? Hey. Um, you, you don't just go in and, and find some language somewhere and, and use it. A debt collector can send you a notice or can call you. They can make an attempt to collect a debt. At any time, they don't have to have a court's permission. They don't have to have your permission, nothing. Okay. Debt collection is a very common occurrence, okay? They send you, like in your case, they sent you a Dunning letter, okay? okay? They can do that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, if there is something, there is a flaw in that letter in itself, like I said, one example would be if they uh, uh, didn't, uh, 
I just got brain cramp here. I, I had a fleeting thought of something else for a moment that threw me off. I'm sorry. Um, if if they did not put the mini Miranda in, that's automatically something they're required to do in every communication that they have that they send you. Okay. Okay. And what is what exactly is that? I haven't. I don't know what that is. The mini Miranda. Yeah. Well, I would suggest. Are you a member? Are you a member? I just, beca- I just became a member today, so I was oh, okay. on the site a little bit here today. Um, okay. Just looking at things. All right. Well, um, Mini Miranda is, uh, this is uh, a communication from a debt collector. Uh, you can, you have the right to uh, ask who the original creditor is, so on and so forth, within 30 days. Just uh, if you Google Mini Miranda, you'll be able to find that. But you want to study in the FDCPA section of the website. You're getting okay. ahead of yourself. And that language that you were picking out of the FDCPA, when I, when I talk about you, you utilize, utilizing it out of context, sometimes people don't understand how statutes are written, and they'll just go find some wording, and they, they use it, they take it in its most literal sense. I can guarantee you there was something before that that qualifies that and draws down within whatever was discussed before that, and that applies to it. That's not the general thing. Like I said, otherwise, nobody would be able to dun anybody for anything. You know, I mean, would, would you ever give somebody permission to send you dunning letters? No. If they can't dun you, then they can't collect some, right? I mean, that, that's just not the way it works. Okay. So, so you need to study in the FDCPA um, the uh, frequently violated FDCPA guidelines is something that okay. you want to get out of the website. If you do a search, you know where the search box is? Have you yep. found that up at the top yep. of the page? Okay. Frequently violated FDCPA. You do that, and it'll it'll get you that document. But um, we have template, or I shouldn't say template. We don't use templates. We have example uh, validation letters. Rather than writing something from scratch, because a lot of people get a lot of ideas. Oh, well, you know, I, I'm going to tell them I want this and this and this and the kitchen sink and the garbage can. And if you No, you, you just want to tell them, I want you to validate this debt. Okay. And then what you have to do is you have to wait and see what happens. Now, when you send your letter, uh, uh, your demand for validation, always send it certified mail. Yeah. And put the certified mail number that you're sending it with at the bottom of the page on the letter so that it ties it to it. And then, of course, um, and Terry and I had a discussion about a case that uh, she read about where somebody did not tie things together in a case and they ended up losing in court simply because they didn't have a copy of a letter they sent. They had a, a copy or they had the receipt from sending something to Wells Fargo Bank, but they couldn't prove what it was they sent. So when you write that validation letter, at the bottom of it, we always put sent by certified mail number so-and-so. At least have it somewhere on the letter. That way, when you send it, and of course you always want to keep a copy of that letter uh, for your files, so that if you ever get into an argument, you can show, yes, I sent this letter. As you can see, you know, I have a receipt here. 
uh, from the Postal Service that they received it at 10.17 a.m. on the 24th uh, of February. And uh, you can see that that same uh, certified mail number is at the bottom of the letter. So this is the letter they got on that date. That ties it together. Sure. So those, those type of little details are very important. But now another thing to point out, when you send a demand for validation, there is no requirement that who you're sending that to has to respond. There's a lot of people that are uh, under the mistaken impression that they have to respond within 30 days. They absolutely do not. They don't ever have to respond. But Well, and I'm assuming they won't because this is only for under $17 for a magazine subscription. So... <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, you know. don't bet on that. Don't bet on that because the reason I say that is, um, Larry, one of our moderators on the uh, on the calls on the Tuesday night calls, yeah, he got thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because somebody dunned him for thirty five bucks for a cell phone bill, right. So don't think yeah. that the amount won't <laughs> the people won't get stupid with it. It it's it can happen. Okay. So but, then what happens okay, so you don't hear anything. So then can I proceed then with as far as sending them a a bill for violating federal no, law then? No. No. No, because how did they violate federal law? Well, the, the, where where the violations come in is if they send you a notice and it doesn't have the proper stuff on it, okay, there's a violation, okay. okay, like the mini Miranda and stuff. All right, there are certain requirements that they have to put in the original one, and this information is all on the website. Um, let's say you send them the uh, demand for validation, and they just blow you off. Okay. And they send you another Dunning letter. You've got uh, evidence that, uh, let's say they... Uh, received it on uh, March 25th. And, uh, you know, of course, that's going to come from the Postal Service, right? That's, that's going to be as good as gold because the Postal Service never does anything wrong, right? <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. Um, they never make mistakes. But uh, they got it on the 26th of March, and they called you uh, about that bill on April 4th. They continued to collect without validating the debt, which is a right. violation of 1692GB specifically. That's something I know right off the top of my head. Okay. So it, it depends on what they do or don't do. If they disappear into the woodwork, they're fine. Mm -hmm. But let's say you don't hear anything from them, and in four months from now, you get a Dunning letter for the same thing from another company. Uh, okay. Then they're on the hook for FDCPA. Okay. Because what they did is they passed it down to somebody else to continue collections. Sure. So, and they didn't validate. Okay. So the biggest thing is you got to just see what happens, but don't think that there's any kind of violation if they don't respond to you. There could be a violation somewhere forward if you have the scenario developed that I just mentioned to you. Okay. Okay, does that help you? 
But yes, yeah, I, I I I think it'll be in your in your best interest to spend a little time in there. Um the validation letter, did you happen to find uh, the one that was in the uh, website or were you trying yep. to write on your own? You, well, I you, was write I was writing one on my own. So Okay. I would yeah, suggest, but I did but I did see your examples on there. I would suggest you use that because a lot of people have a tendency to think, Oh well, you know, I'm gonna tell them I want this, I want a copy of the contract, I want this, I want this. No. You don't want to do that. Okay. What you want to do is just make a demand for validation because they're not gonna be able to validate that. Right, right, which I know that. Yeah. Right. Okay. But you you don't want to, um, you know, a, a lot of people think if I ask them for everything but the kitchen sink, they're not going to be able to provide it all. They don't have to provide things. There are certain things they have to provide. Mm-hmm. If they have to, they have to prove that, uh, provide evidence to you that uh, you uh, created a debt, how you created the debt, and have documentation to support that. Right. And that's going to be pretty hard to do, especially over 17 bucks, but you never know. We've seen <laughs> we've seen people make thousands of dollars in settlements uh when they got done for way less than $100. We've had several people that got thousands of dollars uh in settlements for $30 or less. Okay. Which is comical to me. It is comical. It is. <laughs> but you you really want to understand the law and you know I know you're you're really anxious and you want to get out there and do things but um education 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 before you take too many actions so that you really fully understand exactly what it is you're dealing with. Okay. Okay. All right. And great. and I'm glad I'm glad you're in. I'm glad you joined. And uh, we're more than happy to help you and uh, uh, with any questions you got. That's what we're here for. That's why we've been doing this for years. Okay, great. Thank you. All righty. You're very welcome. All right. All right, Elir. Now that you're done making noise, we'll take your question. <laughs> Dave, I'm sorry, but I have this phone. I have, I have it muted. And if I press... Well, hang on a second. I bumped a thing and it muted you for a second there. If if you have that phone and what? Yeah, my phone was muted, but when I press star eight, it unmutes itself. So and I forgot that it. Oh. Oh. I was. <laughs> yeah, well, you were clanking pretty good there. I mean, you were making a bunch of noise. So anyway, that's why I muted you. So anyway, you had questions. So uh, what do you got? Here's Here's a little story. Uh, a debt collector sued me a, a month or so ago, and uh, I had, of course, sent to them debt validation twice, okay. and they never validated. They direct sued me. Okay. I, ans- uh, I answered the. Uh, I denied the. You know the, all the allegations. But in the meantime, I sent to them a affidavit that. Uh, where I described that I called Bank of America and asked if I can pay that debt, and they said no. And, they, and then I asked that if you really... Oh, 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 no, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm not sure I understand what you just said. You, you filed an affidavit into the court case? 
No, to, I send it to the uh, to the lawyers or whatever they are, the collectors. Well, yeah, there has if they sued you, there has to be a lawyer representing them. Yeah. Yeah. So I and they never disputed this. I really called Bank of America and I talked to them, and they said we have nothing to do with this account. Really, the account is changed too. It's not the, the real account. They have created a new one. Anyhow. Uh, what I did, I did a counterclaim. The only mistake that I did on the counter counterclaim is that I did not put Bank of America, assuming that really it's not Bank of America suing me, it's some debt collectors. And, well, uh, was was the plaintiff on the lawsuit that was filed against you, the plaintiff Bank of America? Yes, it was. Okay, well, and you're not making a counterclaim if you name somebody else. You're making a cross claim. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I made a mistake. And uh, yeah. the the guy on the other side answered the uh, counterclaim asking to dismiss the counterclaim for <laughs> not having the right, you know, uh, defendant. Yeah. Well, yeah, defendant in that case, yeah. Mm -hmm. Case. Uh, what, is, what do you think is the best to do, to do a move now is to uh, uh, amend the complaint uh, or to file a new one? Um, I think I think what I would probably do if I were in your uh, position, well, <laughs> I wouldn't have filed a counterclaim. That's that's the biggest problem. Um, I, I I'm I'm not going to fiddle with people with counterclaims, and I'm not going to fiddle with them in state court. I'm going to I'm going to take any claim I've got straight to federal court. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I decided not to to go that route. So I decided uh -huh. to to uh, my court, yeah. uh, state small claims court, because I think I have a good uh, case. Well, what what do you what is the basis of your counterclaim? Is that they never validated the debt and they continue to uh, collect? Well, but the problem you have there is you're su you'd be suing Bank of America, and Bank of America is original creditor. They're not subject to the FDCPA, but the lawyers would be. That's why you need to go after the lawyers, not Bank of America. That's why the, the counterclaim is not what you want to do. Because the so, court will dismiss that in a blink. So I'll dismiss that and file a, uh, a claim against these guys. That's it. Yeah, it, it, the attorneys are the ones that are going to be subject to the FDCPA, not Bank of America, because they're original creditor. Not only that, but the account that Bank of America had with me is not in the lawsuit. It's a new account. I don't understand what you mean. I'm, I'm confused. The credit card account that originally was is not in the lawsuit. It's a new credit card account it's a different completely different number completely different it looks like the debt collectors who took it over they created uh, well the debt buyers what the, the when it's debt buyers the debt buyers change yeah. the account numbers yeah the debt buyers I think it's track America who bought the account well you, you when you when you get going with the suit you got to go into discovery Yes, yes, and I sent their uh, because they sued me first. I sent my first uh, discovery letters to them. 
requests for admissions, interrogatories, and production of documents? Yes, I did that. All right. Yeah, if if I were in your shoes, I I would not I, I'd dismiss the counterclaim because uh if your if your counterclaim is for FDCPA, um it it's going to get shot down because uh Bank of America even if you changed it and made Bank of America the uh uh defendant, the court's going to dismiss that because they're original creditor and not subject to the FDCPA. So what you want to do is go after the lawyers. You sent a demand for validation to the lawyers, right? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. They would be the ones that uh, moved forward with collection without validating. So they'd be be your target under FDCPA. Yes. Now, when I do the dismissal tomorrow, I'm going to do it tomorrow, do I have to explain why, given your reason? No, I I wouldn't bother uh, with that. Uh, I I just uh, state that uh, uh, you are uh, plaintiff. Uh, plaintiff moves the court to uh, dismiss his counterclaim. Okay. And I mean, you know, that way the the court doesn't have to listen to a, you know read a bunch of evidence and make a decision. And everything you're just saying, hey, just you know, get rid of it. Goodbye. So the okay. other side will be happy, and, the, and it makes it easy for the court. Why would the court have a problem with that? All right, they, I'll do works. that. Yeah. I, I was thinking exactly that to do, because it, like, like you explained, it makes sense that I will be in, probably in trouble if I continue in this way. Well, if if you continue that way, you, your counterclaim is just going to get dismissed. There's There's no basis for it. Yeah. All right, Dave. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Let's see what we got here. Let's go to Doer. I had to mute and unmute you. Go ahead. Yes, Dave. I'm helping a friend in Dallas uh, with his uh, claim from Capital One, the attorney. Now, say this again. You're in Dallas? My friend is in Dallas. I'm helping him. Okay. And I put in a motion to quash. Motion to quash what? The uh, service, or the uh, service and the uh, complaint. You can't do that. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's there's no basis for that. You can't quash a complaint. Anybody can make a complaint against you. If they make a complaint, you have to defend it. Or move to have it dismissed, you know, like that. But you can't just quash a complaint. That's that's improper, basically. Okay. So uh means I have to file the answer for him. Um, are you or your friend members of, of Jesse's website? I think my friend is, uh, but he's in the hospital right now with his daughter, so uh, oh I boy. can't confirm that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, if 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 he is tied up with medical things, to f- what I would suggest that he do, uh, the situation with his daughter, uh, is this going to be something that's going to be going on for some period of time? Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. What I would suggest... Uh, is putting in uh, uh, 
a motion for enlargement of time to answer because uh, of uh, emergency, a, an emergency medical situation in the family where he uh, has to uh, assist one of his uh, children. Right. And uh, it's an uh, ongoing medical emergency. And uh, he uh, asked for uh, at, uh, at least 60 days to answer. Okay. And, and, so, and do you want to state in there, it's, it's, it is unknown at this point in time when uh, uh, defendant uh, would be a, in a proper condition to be able to uh, address the issues before the court, I think okay. would be kind of the wording I would use. Right. I know we have to file a suit in federal to get rid of this. Uh, so this well, is... it, it depends on what the situation is. Generally, that's what we do. What what is? Just give me a quick overview on what's going on. Well, uh, the attorney Moss out of Lubbock is claiming ten thousand dollars in debt. Uh, we sent the validation letter. They sent the regular garbage. You know, it's not validated. So, uh, so it's it's over. It's on a credit card. They're saying he owes ten grand. You did a demand for validation, and what specifically did they respond with? Uh, well, they, so they, well, they, they just sent statements and things of that nature. Well, oh, oh, no, wait a second. Wait a second. They sent statements. Did they send every single statement from the beginning from a zero balance to no. charge off? Then no. they didn't validate. Right. Plus, they're, okay. not, uh, they're not certified, so anybody can... No, 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 no. You don't, they don't have to be certified. Don't, hmm. don't think that they have to. They do not. But if they... Let's say you'd had a credit card for seven years. They'd have to send a copy of every single statement showing the initial statement, zero balance, and everything since then. Otherwise, you know, if the first statement they sent you, you know, maybe they send you five statements, okay? If the oldest statement in there has a any balance to it, then there can't be validation because where did that balance come from? How did you right. start with, you know, $661? Where did that come from? You're not validating this debt. You're just saying, oh, well, you know, you owed $661, and now we piled more on to, to 10000 since then. That doesn't work. That's not validation at all, not by any right. stretch of the imagination. Do they have to also produce all the receipts? Uh, not necessarily to uh, uh, satisfy the court's. You could ask for them in discovery, mm -hmm. but um, the the biggest thing. What's the name of the law firm up there? Moss in Lubbock. It's Moss. Yes. Yeah, because there was another one that was dealing with stuff up there that I got some nonsense from years ago, and I don't even remember the name. The guy was a. No, they're they're a big debt collection mill. Yeah. With a lot of employees now. Um, uh, the motion to, to extend time is going to fall after the due date for the answer. Is that going to be a why, problem? Why, if, if you file that tomorrow, why would it fall after the date of the answer? 
Well, the answer is due in two weeks, and the motion will be scheduled for like 30 days. No, you don't. You don't have to schedule that. I don't. I don't think in the Texas court here you have to schedule that. Would it be ex parte then, or what? No, it, it's it's a matter of it's an emergency, and I would actually I would title uh, emergency emergency request for uh, uh, enlargement of time uh, due to uh, due to family medical emergencies. Okay. And they should schedule it then before the answers do. Yeah, generally, they're not even going to have any kind of hearing on that. The court's just going to uh, rule on it. Okay. So it would be ex parte. All right. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're not. You're not going to the The court isn't going to hold a hearing on a motion to uh, uh, for enlargement of time to answer. They're either going to grant it or deny it. But you, you tell me. If you put a motion in for an enlargement of time uh, because of a family uh, medical emergencies where, uh, you know, he is uh, uh, spending all his time at the hospital uh, uh, with his daughter, with his uh, uh, gravely ill or whatever daughter that uh, uh, he's not able to uh, uh, concentrate and be able to properly uh, uh, answer the claims at this time. You tell me if the court says no, no, you gotta, you gotta uh, answer the stuff, uh, the heck with your daughter and all that. What do you think an appeals court would say to that? Mm. Right, they wouldn't I, like I, it. Right, I've, I've done those, and they've generally been granted, uh, you know, uh, in, as a matter of course. So, right, right. But here again, I would suggest the, it that you you write in that it ongoing. Uh, medical emergency uh, with one of his children uh, who is uh, in in the hospital and it's unknown when the situation will improve. You don't have to go into a bunch of details and, oh, well, you know, this is what's happening and this was a die. No, you you don't have to do any of that. But uh, put that stuff in there. Then put a... uh, uh, File a dispute in at the same time you do that if you haven't filed that in the case already. Well, we disputed the debt. I mean, no, I'm saying it file a dispute into the court, not not okay. sending the validation letter previously. I'm not referring to that. Okay, uh, what, what form would that take? Um, well, if your friend is a member of the website, have him give you the uh, access information so you can go in there and get that. All all of that stuff is going to be in the beating credit cards section. Okay. And there's uh, exa- there's example letters and everything right there, and the explanations on how to do it. Okay. All right, Dave. Thanks a lot. All right, you're very welcome. Good yeah. luck to your friend. Hopefully, uh, is. Uh, Things get better with his daughter. Medical issues can be an absolute nightmare. Right. Okay. Great. All righty. Okay. Let's go to Florida. You are unmuted. Go ahead. Good evening, Dave. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Um, I'm not sure if that young lady is still on that was on earlier talking about 1692C, but if you read CA, it does say what she said it says, but if you read one, two, and three underneath that, it says that they can't 
um, communicate at any unusual times, like before eight o'clock or after nine, or if you're represented by an attorney or, or, you know, they can't contact you at your place of employment and things of that nature. Yeah. Well, like I say, it, it, the context that she was taking it in was incorrect. You know, like I, like I say, she was saying that you either have to have a court of competent jurisdiction or, or your consent to, to communicate with you. Well, no, we all, we all know that's not the, not the way it is. It's, it's all a matter of going in and studying, not just going and reading one specific place. And that's, that's something I've seen people do for years. And very honestly, when I first started getting a little bit of exposure to some of this stuff, that's what I did. And, you know, I'd read certain things and I go, oh, well, it says such and such and so and so right here. But if right. you don't read it in the, in the context of where that is in the statute that you're reading, you can't necessarily just take certain words. I mean, if we look far and wide enough, we can find certain words in certain places to give us almost anything we want. But if they're taken out of context, they, they mean nothing. Yeah, I just didn't know if she was still on there. I was just trying to give her a helping hand yeah. of, to keep reading, <laughs> keep continuing. Oh, yeah. No, very definitely. Uh, actually, I don't think she is still on. I think she's gone. I don't see her. Okay. She's from Minnesota. But uh, if she goes back and listens to the call, maybe uh, she picked that up. But, yeah, it's uh, study, 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 everybody. And, and, you know, when you first get into the website, and for those of you that are wondering what website we're talking about, I'm talking about Jesse's website. To get there, all you have to do is open a browser and type in Knockout Collectors, and that's K-N-O-C-K, Out Collectors, T-O-R-S, dot net. Don't do a search for that. Just type that in, and that will take you right to Jesse's website, and you can uh, find all the information you need right there. Uh, there's nothing else like it on the web. There is a minimal cost per month. It's $99 for the first month, $49 per month after that. For as long as you want to be a member, or there's no commitments of you know like six months or a year at a time or anything. But the best part is, it's got a 60-day money-back guarantee on. So you can get in there and you can study all you want. You can get as much information, and if you get in there, you'll be amazed at how comprehensive the information is and how complete it is, and all sorts of different things in there. Everything from dealing with foreclosures to fair credit reporting. Uh, to FC, uh, FDCPA, Fair Debt Collection Practices, Telephone Consumer Protection Act, uh, uh, protecting your money, your assets, and everything. There's all sorts of information in there. Um, you know, websites don't come free. Some people say, "Oh, you know, how come you got to pay for it?" Well, websites, full-time webmasters, um, mirroring of websites, and everything—that doesn't happen for free. It costs money. So, Best money I've ever spent. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we had a guy um, that uh, was on the uh, Tuesday night call two weeks ago tomorrow that uh, had been studying with us, and he had uh, a whole bunch of phone calls on his cell phone. And he came on for good news that night and told us about his drum roll, $98,000 settlement calls to his cell phone. Now, he said it did take him seven months of learning and negotiation and stuff to get that. 
That's a lot of money, guys. And he said since the first of the year, he's had some other stuff too. Since the first of the year, I think he said he had either a hundred and four or a hundred and six thousand already. Yeah, I thought it was one hundred and fourteen, but yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was like over a hundred well grand just since the first of the year. But ninety-eight thousand dollars for phone calls. You guys that heard me speak earlier, why I was giving you a little more information about TCPA. That's there's a lot of money there. So, uh, you know, if you learn this stuff and learn it well, one of the biggest mistakes that people make that I've seen is they learn just enough to be dangerous to themselves and then go out and think they're going to conquer the world and somebody's going to write them a big fat check. But what ends up happening far too often when somebody does that is they run into the buzzsaw of an attorney that tries to blow smoke up their skirt and is successful uh, and they come back with their tail between their legs. Well, the attorney told me, I don't have any case because of this case and that case and so on and so forth. And these people are completely disheveled and have no clue what's going on because they didn't study first and act afterwards. And that is just absolutely critical that you educate yourself first so that you understand what you're doing Excuse me. And when you go after somebody that and and they, uh, you know, are, are they just going to lay down and die? Uh, in most cases, no. Once in a while, they do. Uh, but they're going to put up a a fight or an argument, and they start throwing BS at you. And if you don't know it's BS because you haven't studied like you needed to and learned about the statute and the case law that surrounds it, then you're going to buy into it. And you're going to think, oh, well, we're just wrong. We're telling people stuff that doesn't work. This attorney told me that you have to understand when you go after somebody that most cases they're going to hire a lawyer. And what are lawyers trained to do? Lawyers are trained to lie. It's the old saying, if a lawyer's lips are moving, He's lying. They don't know how to tell the truth. Okay, That's the way most of the attorneys are, especially the ones associated with defending the debt collection industry. They were the ones that, for the most part, graduated in the very near the bottom of their class in law school. <laughs> because if they were a good attorney, they'd be up doing commercial law and stuff that pays a whole lot better than the debt collection industry is willing to pay them. Right. So, you know, you, you have to understand that you have to educate yourself first. So when you get somebody, you know, an attorney or somebody in the other end, when you go after somebody, they try and throw you a line of BS that you can shoot them down. I mean, I've had conversations where I've gotten on the phone with an attorney for the other side, and they start throwing the BS at me, and I call it BS. I call them on it, and I tell them, well, you know, uh, you are completely incorrect. You are misconstruing that case. If you go look at such and such and so and so, you will see that that is not the case at all, and you might want to refer to so and so versus so and so. I know all about this stuff. I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday, so please do me a favor. Let's save some time. Don't try the BS with me. I know better. You know, I'm more than happy to discuss settlement with you, but I'm not buying into the BS. I'm not your typical pro se. 
See, I can have these conversations, and I've had that conversation with somebody, and we ended up with a settlement within 24 hours because I let them know that I knew what was going on. They tried to BS me, and he found out real quick it wasn't going to work. Right. So, you know, knowledge is power as long as you know how to use it, as long as you use it and know how to use it properly. But if you don't have the knowledge... And, and a lawyer tells you something, well, you know, it gives you a load of BS. How do you know whether he's telling you the truth or not? You don't, because you haven't educated yourself. Right. Well, just a quick question. Um, on, on my friend's case that I'm helping her out with, uh, when you do a motion to compel, do you attach the discovery to the motion to compel? Uh, generally, yeah, you want to uh, attach that and show what you asked and what the other uh, side argued back. Right. So responses and the uh, actual discovery. Yeah. Okay. And on, on the, when you confer, can you confer via email or do you have to actually make the phone call? Uh, generally, I think the courts like it if you have a voice confer. Okay. Because she sent him a letter uh, or an email last week and gave him 10 days to supplement his answers, and uh, she's gotten no response from him at, at this point. So, Well, I'm I guess emailing back, you know, you're, you're short on time. Uh, can I expect uh, supplemental answers or not? Right. Yeah. Please, ad- please advise. Uh, uh, so uh, I have an expectation of uh, where you stand, whether I need to move forward with my motion to compel. Sounds good. Okay, that's all I have. Okay, very good. Thank you, Brian. Have a good day. Good night. Yeah, what's left of it? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I want to see if anybody else has a question. If you have a question or want to make a comment about uh, uh, what we do here, star eight is how you put yourself in the queue. Uh, It's very simple. And uh, when we don't have any people with their hands up, that's when we say good night, everybody. And of course, we we go till the top of the coming hour as long as we have questions. But I'm not here to exercise my my lips for no good reason. I'm here to help people, if at all possible. And that's what we do. So let's let's go talk to the lady in New Jersey. Good evening, Tiger. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? You sound pretty chipper tonight. I know. I don't know why, but I'm I'm grateful. Uh, too much caffeine even late in the day for you? No. As a matter of fact, oh, I did have some caffeine this afternoon. Oh. That was it. Wow. Heck of a deal. I am wondering, can you please remind me? I just have vague memory about the outside of an envelope when somebody is um, addressing you, that something shouldn't be if, there? If there's anything that uh, relates to uh, an indication that the communication is for debt collection purposes. In other oh. words, it can't say from, you know, uh, Bozo's Debt Collection Service or something like that. Oh, okay. So if if they're soliciting and it says uh, stop foreclosure or something like that, that's not a violation? No. Somebody like that is not 
trying to collect a debt, they are offering a service to you. You know, they're they're saying, well, hey, we can help you stop a foreclosure, or you know, we can uh, we'll represent you in court on uh, you know foreclosure if you uh, need help or something like that. That's actually an offer uh, to uh, uh, you know, it's it's like an ad. Call it an ad. That's what it is. They're advertising, saying we're available to help you, but they're they're not asking you for anything. They're actually uh, you know supposedly trying to help you, but. Notice I use that word supposedly very loosely. Right, right. Okay. Well, that was my question. Oh, well. And and that's a good question because we have people uh, at times that get those kind of letters. I mean, when I got sued by a, a debt collector uh, here years ago, um, and, and in fact, it was right at the very beginning when we started doing stuff uh, uh, in uh, six years ago uh, this month, I uh shortly thereafter I had gotten a uh uh letter from uh, a couple of attorneys that uh said they could uh defend me uh in the uh debt collection lawsuit. I I, had, I didn't even know that uh there was a suit filed against me. The only reason that I uh knew there was something or had a hint was because I got these letters from uh these uh uh, I think it was two different ones I got from uh, two law firms saying that they that they could represent me, and I'm going, wait a minute, represent me for what? And then that gave me the idea, and I went and did a search in the courts and found out there were two lawsuits that had been filed against me by the same debt collection company. And, well, the ending to that story was they never got me served, but I got judgments against him, and he ended up paying me. So guess who got the last laugh? You did. You're I right. I want to be like you when and, I and I'm, yeah, and I'm still chuckling over that. Uh, he's one of the scumbag debt collectors from the Dallas area here. He's actually from Carrollton. John Scott, or Michael J. Scott, excuse me, Michael J. Scott and Associates. I, I think they've changed the name. I think they, they developed such a bad reputation that... Uh, uh, they were real scumbags, but yeah, I I actually sued them, and they never responded, and I got a default judgment. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that was pretty stupid on their part. They sue me, they never serve me, and I sue them in federal court. They never respond, and the court grants me a default judgment, and... They paid me, and then eventually their suits against me were dropped and went nowhere. So I I thought that was a pretty good outcome myself. That was. And you made me think of another question I want to ask you. Okay, good. I am not clear of how you avoid res judicata um, like say in a foreclosure case. Well, the the way you're talking about when you're going to file an FDCPA case against them, right? The way that you do it is you must have your federal case filed before there is an adjudication of the state case. So you can file it while the state case is going on. You must file it while it's going on. 
Because if you wait until, let's say, you know, the state case is going on, they've, you know, sued you for a foreclosure, maybe you're in discovery and this and that, so on and so forth, and they file a motion for summary judgment, and you come up, and let's say the uh, summary judgment uh, is uh, up for hearing on Thursday. You better have that federal lawsuit filed no later than tomorrow. Because if that state court, if the court grants summary judgment against you on Thursday and you go to file your lawsuit after that, it's res judicata. You're going to have that, let's put it this way, you're going to have that fight on your hands. It's not necessarily res judicata, but that's an argument that you're going to have to deal with. And, you know, a lot of the courts will give you a hard time. The way you just completely stay away from any possibility of them even raising that is by getting your federal suit filed before there's any adjudication of the the, uh, foreclosure case in the state court. That's an absolute must. The other thing is, you you got to remember when you file a federal lawsuit against somebody, that's like picking up a croquet mallet and smacking somebody in the head. You're putting them on notice that you're not just laying down and going to die. And generally, what happens is it becomes a bargaining chip to get something out of the other side. You know, you're gonna you're gonna get a settlement. You're gonna get some money. You know, depending on what happens with the foreclosure, uh, maybe you can end up getting uh, actual damages and stuff. But if you haven't filed it before the state court rules on the case, you're gonna have a problem. And I can't think of the complete name, but it's something about it's some doctrine where they say. Um, is it the complete doctrine or entirety doctrine? I'm messing this up. Yeah, I have no but idea what you might be You can't, about. okay. Uh, I'd, I'd need to know more about, you know, what it is. Uh, uh, I, they, you know, they, they, like, call, they, they can call that the doctrine of res judicata. Okay, no, it's like when you need to include everything at one time. Not really sure what. You're okay, I'm there. sorry. I just yeah. um, I screwed that up because I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head. Well, if you can revisit it on another call, maybe we can answer it for you. Hopefully. Okay. I just uh, yeah, I just don't understand the context of, of you know what it is you're uh, you're saying. I'm I'm not familiar with that terminology. Oh, okay. Well, I thank you. You are very welcome. Thank you. All right, everybody. Again, I'm going to say if somebody has questions or comments for us uh, tonight, uh, and and the the big thing is I want to mention, if you are new, don't be afraid to raise your hand and ask a question. Don't think, oh, well, you know, uh, I don't want to sound stupid in asking this. If you have a question, you're not sure about something, it doesn't matter whether you've been studying all the stuff and you're just a little unsure about something or something's been kind of bugging you in the back of your mind or whatever, or if you're new, it doesn't matter. The question that you don't ask is the one that doesn't get answered, and we don't want that to happen. So, you know, maybe I can't answer the question for you, but if I can't, 
maybe I can point you in a direction where you can get the correct information or refer you to another call where you know somebody might be available to uh, that has more knowledge than I do. And not that I have all the answers, because I don't. I'm the first one to stand up and say I don't. I know what I know, and that's it. If I don't know it, I don't know it. So uh, if you've got a question about anything, please uh, hit star 8, ask your question, and we'll uh, try and answer it. And maybe, you know, depending on what it is, maybe there's somebody else on the call that's got some experience on a certain topic as well. So. I'm not seeing any hands popping up, so uh, I guess it's time to call it a wrap on a Tuesday night. I have a couple announcements I need to make. Tomorrow night, there is a call on Blog Talk Radio. It is the on week right now. The Tuesday night calls are every other week. Uh, Tomorrow night, the call is on. That's at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And to uh, find that call on Blog Talk Radio, all you have to do is go to Blog Talk, B-L-O-G-T-A-L-K, radio.com forward slash W-L-I-Y-D. And that will take you right to the call page for the call for tomorrow night. And again, that's 8 o'clock Eastern Time. And then normally on Wednesdays, Terry has her call at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, but uh, she did get moved to North Carolina. She is still working on acquiring uh, Internet service. She uh, moved to a uh, somewhat rural area, and uh, we've had uh, there's something kind of pretty strange going on about uh, being able to get Internet service out there. The, the whole area was wired for fiber optics, but they're saying that she can't get uh, uh, Internet service there. So she and I were discussing some uh, various avenues to pursue on that, and I brought a few things to her attention today. But uh, she will not be doing a call Wednesday night without question. Next week, we just got to take it and uh, see how things go with her acquiring the Internet, but uh, she will be able to get information out when she is going to be having another call, or there might be uh, another week yet after this week where she doesn't have one. We just uh, take it to one week at a time. But anyway, uh, tomorrow night, uh, we do have another call. Jesse will be on that call, so if people have got foreclosure questions, he is the foreclosure expert, without question. He only won three of his own foreclosure trials several years ago on his own properties. So uh, I think that speaks for itself. I don't know anybody else in this country that's done that, uh, especially somebody that's not an attorney. So uh, with all that said, I want to thank everybody for uh, joining me tonight. I hope uh, we helped some people tonight. I'm sure we did. And I hope everybody has a great rest of the evening. And if you tune in to Blog Talk Radio tomorrow night, you will hear my voice because I get to moderate that call as well. Have a great evening, everybody. Be safe, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Good night.